Welcome to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode, we speak with Lisa Tucker, editor of the new book, Hamilton and the Law, reading today's most contentious legal issues through the hit musical. Lisa Tucker is associate professor of law at the Thomas R. Klein School of Law at Drexel University and is the author of the novel Called On, as well as 11 books for children. She has been featured in numerous media outlets, including the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, People, Time, and NBC Nightly News. We spoke to Lisa about how she assembled a star-powered cast of legal minds to come together to write a book looking at the phenomenally popular musical Hamilton through the lens of the law. How Hamilton makes us challenge our opinions no matter what side of the aisle you're on. And how the musical really makes us think about power who holds it, and how it is used. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I want to congratulate you on the new edited volume, Hamilton and the Law, reading today's most contentious legal issues through the hit musical. You, including, including you, there's 33 lawyers and legal experts talking about every aspect of the play and how it relates to the law. And just curious to know, how did this whole project start? Yeah, so a lot of people, when I first tell them I just finished a book about Hamilton and the law, they think I'm talking about the guy, not the musical, because they can't figure out how those two things would possibly be connected. But probably my two great passions in life are musical theater, uh, with Broadway not being open right now, it just it's crushing. Cool. Um, and and I, I love the law. I love how the law influences society and, and governs society and helps society develop. And it really seems to me that the musical has done the same thing. Uh, it's really contributed to our understanding of how our country came to be. Um, so a few years ago, when my daughter was a junior in high school and applying to college, we did one of those road trips that many parents of college bound kids do, which is you have spring break, you have 10 days, let's see as many colleges as we possibly can. So we set off on this road trip and we both love musical theater. And so we found ourselves listening to Hamilton quite a lot. And at one point I turned to my daughter who uh, was in the passenger seat with her journal. And she's a kid who actually keeps a paper journal and has like colorful pens. And I said, you know, I really think the entire musical is building up to the duel, which we know because the duel at the end, um, what we're really asking ourselves when what, by the time we get to the duel at the end is who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? Burr justified in shooting Hamilton? Is Hamilton, is, is Burr acting in self-defense? Is Burr murdering Hamilton because he's so fed up with this guy who he's called terrible names throughout the whole show? Um, is Hamilton really trying to avoid shooting here? He says, you know, I aim my pistol at the sky. How truthful is that? And when we watch it, we really have to think about all of those questions, I think. So that led me in my lawyer brain to go back and look at the musical as evidence for those questions. And so I said to my daughter, you got the journal, I'm driving. Every time we hear something that adds to, oh, this was self-defense or no, this was really a murder here. You wow. know, let's write it down and see what we come up with. And what we came up with was this very strong case both ways. And so it seems to me that with 
Lin-Manuel Miranda's foreshadowing and the, the actions he has the characters take and the lines that he has them speak, he really is setting up that question for a trial, a trial that never occurred in real life. Burr was indicted for the murder of Hamilton, but was never tried. But I think the question remains and the, and the musical asks us, what do you think? Did he murder him or not? And how much fun is that to think about? Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. That's a great a legal way of looking at it. The music and I always tell my law students that once they start law school, they'll never be able to see anything again, except through those legal glasses, the legal lens. And so to me, this was a very fun example. Wow, wow. And so how did it, how did it grow from this road trip to where it is now? Yeah, so then I started chatting with people. Oh, my daughter and I did this fun thing on our road trip. And what I found was I knew all my friends loved Hamilton. But what I found was that when I was talking to other lawyer friends, they'd be like, oh my God, yes, I'm obsessed. And I cited it in a brief last week, or you know, uh, a judge just wrote an opinion about it. And um, I, I thought, wow, this is really, really catching on. So I decided to, I post on Facebook and said, all my lawyer friends, who likes Hamilton? And within, I think the shortest amount of time ever, I got like 50 responses. So then I started reaching out to people, a lot of people who were much bigger potatoes than I am uh, and saying, you know, I'm working on this project. And they would inevitably write back and say, you know, I'm really busy. And then I would write back and say, well, it's about Hamilton. And then they would get all excited too. And so it was a cool opportunity for me to work with a lot of people whose work I had admired for years and really to think through some interesting legal issues with them. So that was that was a huge uh, side bonus for me. Oh, that's fantastic. You had mentioned uh, lawyers and judges quoting Hamilton. It goes all the way to the top, goes to the Supreme Court. I saw in yep. the news that Justice uh, Elena Kagan quoted Hamilton in, in a recent case. So um, it's yep. definitely made the round. They and all love it too. They all love it. And, and yeah, <laughs> my family, we're all singing those songs that you can't get them out of your head. It's no, it's great. It's so catchy. Um, but I think it's so fantastic that you've taken the musical and now wrapped a legal framework around it, which is which is amazing. Um, how do you hope the book will make an impact in the legal field? I hope that it will help us do two things. Um, the first thing is that I hope it will help us look at legal issues or societal issues in a way that we haven't before. And to be able to accept and be open to new interpretations and, and new visions just like Lin-Manuel Miranda was saying, hey, look, even though these guys were white in history, we don't have to portray them as white. And what can we learn by um, multiracial casting here? I think we can be asking ourselves those same questions about the law. The law was founded in a white country by white guys, um, or a country that was ruled by white people anyway, but that all citizens that were, or not citizens at the time, all residents who were not white, um, and how that power dynamic has continued to develop. I think we can ask ourselves a lot of questions about uh, separate fields of law. Think, for example, I have several authors who talk about copyright and what does it mean to use someone else's material versus borrow it versus riff on it. Uh, one thing that happens in the musical a lot is that Lin-Manuel Miranda admits he has all these rap hip hop artists who are his heroes and he steals from them pretty openly. Uh, he, he said this himself. Where do you draw the line? Is it okay because he's being so, he's honoring them so much? You know, he's not saying anything bad. He's saying good stuff about them by using them. Um, 
we have people who are talking about the goal of the um, multiracial casting and how, however commendable that goal might be, um, does it violate federal law in terms of discriminating on the basis of race in casting? And so when we think about things that are surprising that the musical makes us think about, sometimes it makes you challenge your own opinions, no matter what side of the aisle you're on or what your ideology is. And I really love that about it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. As you were saying in the beginning, you know, Burr versus Hamilton, there's a case could be made for both sides and to, be yeah. able to see both sides and, and weigh, the, weigh those, um, those different juxtapositions. Your chapter is focused on the Supreme Court, and yes. this is a big year for the Supreme Court. How yeah. does Hamilton, what, what, what lens does Hamilton, has, has Hamilton given you to see the, the events of this year? Yeah, so first I should say that Hamilton never mentions the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. You know, how could it? It mentions everything else about the establishment of, of American government. So, you know, obviously that's the one flaw in the musical from my perspective. But I think what it does in Hamilton is it really makes us think about power and who holds the power and how power is used. And we see, for example, George Washington being portrayed as someone who really uses power judiciously in the musical. And we see, for example, Thomas Jefferson or James Madison being portrayed as somebody who wanted to exploit their power a little bit more. Uh, you know, uh, at one point Burr says to Jefferson, I'm your vice president because I came in second. and 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 Thomas Jefferson says, well, I'm gonna change that. You know why? Because I'm the president, right? And so seeing how different people interpret these roles in government. And I think that's really what we're seeing with the Supreme Court right now um, with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the rushing to appoint um, Amy Barrett into this role and the real different views that people have about just that process, not her qualifications, not you know, the future of the court, but just the process that's being used um, and the power that's being exploited. And, and to me, that's always worthwhile to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, in your chapter, you mentioned the, the power play and, and how the confirmation process has now become basically a kabuki dance. Yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah. not my language I'm quoting, but yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It's performative. It's completely performative. Um, there's a line in the musical, which I think is, is so funny, where um, Thomas Jefferson is going to be Secretary of State, and he says, and I'm already Senate approved. I'm all set, right? So like confirmations used to be, it just used to be a rubber stamp. This is not true anymore, unless we have a situation like we have now where one party has all the political power. So should we be putting on the shams of these confirmation hearings? Should we just say, hey, look, we understand, you know, let's just go ahead and rubber stamp it. What purpose do the hearings um, serve? And I think, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda asks that same question in the cabinet battles in Hamilton. You know, why are we having this debate? Why are we fighting each other? And sometimes the conversation is worth having even if we know what the outcome is gonna be. Interesting, yeah, very true, very true. Now there's, including you, as I mentioned earlier, there's 33 uh, lawyers and legal experts commenting on the play and its aspects within uh, the law. What, yeah. were, what were some things or one thing that was a takeaway for you or that you had, hadn't thought of before that, that really was, you were so excited or happy about? Yeah, so, it's hard to choose. I mean, every chapter. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many cool things in here. Um, I guess that one thing I thought was very interesting and that I think is very controversial 
is um, the story of Mariah Reynolds and her affair with Alexander Hamilton and that power dynamic, but also what was really happening there. Um, and I have one author who's a domestic violence expert who really sees it as a situation in which domestic violence was probably going on with James Reynolds, Mariah Reynolds's husband. So, you know, there, there seems to be the question sort of hanging out there in the musical. You know, Hamilton asks Mariah, did you know, did you know that he um, uh, was sending me this letter? Did you know? And there's this question, like, did she? Was, was this all planned? And if so, wasn't her husband really prostituting her to Hamilton? Um, and what domestic violence dynamic do we see in play there? Um, and, and why should that matter? Why should we really care about this woman who really brought about Alexander's downfall? And do we blame Mariah Reynolds? Do we blame Alexander Hamilton? He says to her, you know, I don't want you, you know, you, you got me into this mess, but didn't he get himself into this mess? And so like whose fault is, I mean, really that's what leads to his downfall and the rest of it. This is how Philip gets killed. This is how, you know, he doesn't, never gonna be president now. Right. Yeah. Um, and and where does the role of domestic violence fit into what we know now about that versus what people were living then? I think that's a really interesting question and something that gave me a lot to think about. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Well, we're so excited that uh, that you this road trip de developed into a book that's now available in bookstores as we speak. So, and we've just literally touched the surface of what the book uh, describes and, and details. Um, but I wanted to end with one last question. It's yeah. uh, maybe not having anything to do with the book, but having to do with musical. What's your favorite song? What's the song? Oh, you, I knew you were going to ask me that. What's the song that you keep on play, playing? Repeat, repeat, repeat. Oh my gosh. And you're making me pick one. Wow. That's, that's tough. Yeah. So um, there are a couple of songs and then there are a couple of lines. Okay. Um, the song that I play more than any other song is probably one last time. Mm -hmm this idea of um, the beauty of knowing you've done a job and you've done that job well and you're ready to pass the torch, but how that's still very sad thing to kind of look back on your life. Uh, and I just think Christopher Jackson has the most amazing voice. I, I just love that. Um, something that I play for myself over and over again, just a little snippet, is um, the line where Angelica says, so this is what it's like to match wits after mm -hmm. she meets Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I met my husband uh, about four and a half years ago. And the night I knew I would marry him was after about eight, eight months after we met, he took me to see Hamilton as a surprise in New York. So this is late in 2016, when that was still a huge deal to go to Hamilton. Yeah. And I remember thinking with him, this is what it's like to match wits. This is somebody who's, you know, someone on your level, someone who likes to talk about the same things you do and explore the same ideas that you do and, and really thinks that thinking is fun. And that's who Angelica is. And that's who Hamilton is. And just thinking that that was really symbolic of this amazing life that I was starting to lead. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. Cool. cool, cool. Well, again, congratulations. On thank you. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming to Cornell University Press and we're super proud to be publishing it. And yes, it was great talking with you. You too, thank you. All right, take care, Lisa. You too. That was Lisa Tucker, editor of the new book, Hamilton and the Law, reading today's most contentious legal issues through the hit musical.
As a loyal listener to the podcast, we'd like to offer you a special 30% discount on her new book. To receive a discount, please go to cornellpress.cornell.edu and use the promo code 09POD. If you live in the UK, use the discount code CSANNOUNCE and visit the website combinedacademic.co.uk. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. Thank you.